walking after the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to lead you and guide you in a revelatory fashion or uh, allowing Him to open up the, the realms of the Spirit, the realm of the supernatural, enable you to see things uh, that in the natural you wouldn't be able to see. Amen. Do you know, it was, it was never God's plan for us to go through this life uh, by ourselves. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power and in the strength of his might. Do you know God didn't even want you to be strong in your power and in your might, but he wanted you to be strong in his power and in his might. Amen. How many of you know that your strength will run out before God's strength? And your might, your might isn't quite as strong as God's might. You know, one time I was doing a study on the strength and the might of God, and the Bible says that... Um, in, again, in the book of Ephesians, that God exhibited the fullness of his might. And I never knew this. For a long time, I didn't know this. I'd, I'd read these verses of scripture before in Ephesians chapter one. Uh, and or, Yeah, chapter one. Um, it's where Paul prayed that church at Ephesus that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory, is there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it says, and what is, and then it says this, he prays for, uh, uh, that, that they will know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then it goes and it expounds on that. It says, according to the working of his mighty power. Do you know, do you know what, uh, that, that scripture starts to say? It says, it says, uh, that we'll know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who are believers. And that power is this. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. When we stand strong in the Lord and in the strength and in the power of his might, God demonstrated the fullness of his strength and the fullness of his might when he raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, God put his uh, uh, power on display. God exhibited the strength of his might and the fullness thereof in the raising up of Christ from the dead. No wonder the Bible says about Jesus, we beheld his glory. Because what is the glory? The glory is the full expression of God. It's God in full expression. Uh, you know, glory is not a cloud, it's not a wind. Glory is God in his full expression. Amen. In other words, when God fully expresses himself, which he did in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that's his glory. So when, when the Bible says we beheld his glory in Jesus, that's really what it was talking about. When God raised him from the dead, we were witnesses of the greatest, the greatest ex exhibition of the strength and the might of God. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can't, amen. Y'all look up here at me and I'm bald head. I used to have a full head of hair, believe it or not. My hairline used to come nearly to my eyebrows. You couldn't tell the, you couldn't tell where my eyebrows started and my, and my hairline stopped and my hairline started. I mean, I, I, I had hair. It was her. And I used to have to, have to go get it did, you know, I mean, I need, uh, nowadays, you know, I blow dry my hair like this. <laughs> I mean, I, in other words, I'm bald, you understand? And uh, I, I, I couldn't even keep my hair. I couldn't even speak hair onto my head. But God, through his might, raised Jesus. For, you understand? So we, we uh, when we rely upon the strength and the might of God, we're talking about something that goes way beyond, way beyond anything that we're capable of. 
And, it, and that's what he desires for us to rest in and to rely upon. He wants us to rely upon him, upon his spirit, upon the strength of his might. Uh, God, you know, God doesn't want you to rely upon your ability to provide for yourself. He wants to be your provision. Amen. Paul said to the Philippians, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his reason. You know, God never intended for you to be the supplier. He wanted to be the supplier. Amen. Now, I know some people get their drawers in a bunch when people talk about uh, prosperity. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It was always God's intention to bless his people beyond, uh, beyond uh, the, the uh, a place where they were able to take care of themselves. And so last week, we started talking about, and I I uh, started along these lines because I believe there are people that um, have misunderstood a, a lot of times why we as ministers, and, and I'm, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody. You know, I've been in the ministry since I was uh, 16 years old. And so I've, I've, I've been 38 years in the ministry. I've traveled as an evangelist uh, for the past 38 years. I've been a pastor for the past 10 years. We, uh, for those of you that don't know, we planted this church. We established this church um, but I've, I've been in the ministry for a long time. And all that time that I've spent in the ministry, I've met lots of people. And I found out, you know, that uh, God is good. Say that with me. Say, God is good. But you know what else I found out? The devil is bad. <laughs> and you would think that the church, having encountered God being good and having encountered the devil being bad, that we would be able to tell the difference between God and the devil. I mean, you would, th amen. <laughs> Ted is back in, in the state, by the way. He's just playing hooky. Someone call him and, and rebuke him. No, no, he didn't. They didn't feel good. They didn't feel good. But anyway, um, how do you go on vacation, come back not feeling good? Uh-oh, uh come on, Jesus. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> they got stuck in that hurricane. <laughs> but it amazes me how God's, especially people that are Christians, people that have been in church for years, people that have been in ministry, they can't tell the difference between God and the devil. You know, God is good. You know, what does the Bible say? Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. Do you know what that means? Every bad and every cursed thing comes from the enemy. And so God is good. Say God good. God is. Say devil bad. Say this, say healing good. Healing good. Is healing good? Yes. Is health good? Yes. Yeah, say this, uh, freedom good. Freedom good. Joy good. Joy good. Laughter good. Laughter good. Peace good. Peace. Depression. Bad. Oh, see, now see, depression is bad. Death. Bad. Now listen, if... If death is bad, then why why we keep associating it with God? Well, I kept God took Auntie Pookie. I don't know why the Lord uh, took Uncle Riri. <laughs> oh, you don't have an Uncle Riri. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's it's, it's yeah. It's it's some people. You know what? And some people, some people, they they get bitter and angry with God because they associate bad things that happen and difficulties that they go through. They 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 put it on God. 
Why, how would the, why did the Lord let this happen? How could God have done this? How could God have done it? And you know what? They don't put not an ounce of blame on the devil where it belongs. All right, I'm, I'm getting there. I know some of y'all are like, Pastor, where are you getting at? You ain't even read a scripture. I'm about to. And so being, being in ministry, being in church all these years, I've, I've seen people, they, they misunderstand. So they, they go through trials. They go through difficulties. And, you know, uh, of course, the scripture says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Bible doesn't say that God is the source of those afflictions. But many times we act like God is the source of those afflictions. God is not the source of affliction. Now, the Lord may lead you in a way. You know, the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You know what? God's Spirit just led Jesus to the wilderness. It was the devil that tempted him. So it wasn't God that was tempting Jesus. It was the devil that was tempting. But the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. You say, well, yeah, but the Lord, the Lord led him into the wilderness. Yeah, we, we've got to follow wherever he leads. Uh, but God isn't the, isn't the source of the difficulty. Is the enemy that was the source of the difficulty. Are y'all hearing this today? You know, if you're going to sit down on me, I'm going to sit down too. Can I get a chair? Oh, okay. Praise God. All right, then I'll, I'll stay standing up. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Amen. So what we, what we started on last week, and the reason I'm bringing all this up is because over the years, um, one of the things that people have had difficulty with within the, within the body, within the church, uh, what, what uh, many have had difficulty with is when preachers and uh, ministers, especially pastors, uh, there's, there's this uh, idea that pastors are uh, talking about tithing and offering giving, or that they're uh, they're they're caught up in materialism, and they, they talk about money or whatever, and uh, people have an aversion to that, and so many people have seen that as a negative aspect of church. In fact, there are people. Uh, I think the younger generation, especially now, because their because their parents. And their grandparents had such a negative view of preaching and teaching concerning uh, what what God's word says about money. That there are many that are uh, they're Christians, they're born again people, they're believers, they're young believers in this new generation, and they have a wrong idea and a wrong attitude concerning finance. They're looking at the old regime and those that are older in ministry that have believed what God's word says concerning finance and, and uh, making the assumption based on the opinions of that. Listen, that's why it's important. If you're a parent, it's extremely important that you get a revelation of what God's word says and that you don't badmouth what the preacher's saying at home to your kids when you don't really understand where they're coming from. Because what's happened is we got a generation of, of, of children and young people that have an extremely bad attitude. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. In fact, it don't, it don't take long at all for some people to get their drawers in a bunch. Uh, one time I... Uh, I was at a revival in Chickasha, and I, I started to talk about that subject, and there was a whole group, there was a, there was a lady, she was an older woman, 
pastors, pastors a church there. She's still there living in uh, uh, Chickasha, still has a church, but she had brought a group of people to the revival. And I talked for about 10 minutes about the offering, gave some scripture, encouraged the people in that area. And it got, she got so mad. She got her drawers in a bunch so bad. She got up right after I'd finished the offering and, and uh, left. I thought, man, you just, you, you just got through the most offensive part of the sermon. You made it through the most difficult part only to get your drawers in a bunch and leave. And here's the thing. There's some people, they feel justified in that. You're not just, listen, you're never justified when you don't stay and hear the whole. The Bible says only a fool makes a judgment on matters they don't understand. Or when they've never heard the whole argument. I'm three or four minutes in and some of you have already made a decision. You know what the Bible says? That's stupid. It's moronic. <clears throat> It's not smart. You do, listen, none of us have a corner on truth. And so we, we, need, we need exposure to some of these things. And so, that, so my, my, my desire um, last week and this week is to help you to come to the place where you understand why we do what we do concerning the tithe and the offering. And I'm going to tell you this, and you, 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 I can only tell you the truth. I can't make you receive the truth. We have never, never, ever, never uh, done offering, giving, or tithing in this church to try to extort money out of people. Never. Uh, the reason why we do tithing and offering giving here is not because we have a, we have great uh, a, a big huge budget that we have to meet. Although your tithes and your offerings go toward meeting the budget of the church, we're not we're not lacking in that area. I'm not teaching you all today on and I should have done this last week. I didn't. Um, I'm going to do it today for sure. Remind me, Annie, to, to to review this. But last time I checked on our tithing and our offering giving here at church. We had, most churches have about 10% of the people that are tithers and offering givers in the church. Last time I checked, our church was about 95%. So 95% of you are tithers and offering. I am not preaching this message to persuade the 5% to do different. That's stupid. That would be stupid. Listen, if, if after 10 years you're not a tither and an offering giver, I'm, me preaching a message about it isn't about to help you. You're going to have to get a revelation. God's going to have to do something in you. Because after 10 years, if you hadn't got it yet, you either ain't going to get it or it's going to take a, a, something supernatural to break you out. And God's able. God's able. At one time, I think we were up around 99% of the people in this church were tithers and offering givers. So we've dropped off a bit to 95. So... So you say, Pastor, then why are you sharing this with us if most, almost all of us are tithers and offering givers? Because I don't believe that we're always doing it for the right reason. And, I, and you have to understand something. The devil is always trying. What, what does the Bible say about the thief? The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So the enemy is continually working to try to get you disconnected and away from a God's blessing in your life. And one of those areas that the enemy works overtime with is in tithing and offering. Now, let me, let me, let me say this. It's not only within the church setting with, with you all, but I encounter this as an evangelist. 
as a minister of the gospel. When I go to churches, I've been at churches where the Lord had me to teach and preach on the subject of finances in a, you know, in a church or whatever, and pastors been open to it, and the Lord has set people free, and people have gotten delivered, and they've entered into a new realm of the blessing of God in the area of finance. I mean, where, where God really began to work in people's lives and give them miracles in their finances, give churches miracles in their finances. And I could, y- y'all have heard me tell some of the stories. I've seen people that were homeless. I, that we had a lady in Queen City, Texas, that was homeless, that all she had as an offering was a, a uh, gift certificate to Red Lobster that she gave me as an offering. I don't even like Red Lobster. I loathe Red Lobster. But I know, I'm sorry, buddy. He's like, you don't like Red Lobster? I do like the cheese biscuits. That's all I like is the cheese biscuits. But anyway, um, she gave me this gift card. It was all she had. <laughs> I love that. It was all she had. She had nothing else. She was homeless. I found out she was eating peanut butter sandwiches and sleeping on people's porches. That's how she was getting through life. And she was in this revival. You know what? She almost didn't come to the revival meeting because she thought I was, uh, because she thought that I was influenced by the devil to preach and teach on finances. In fact, she told her pastor, I'm praying against him coming. He said, why? Ben was her, Ben is her pastor. She still goes to his church. Ben is this woman's pastor. She went to Ben. She said, I'm praying him out of here. He said, why? She said, because we don't need that bad spirit in this church. He said, what bad spirit are you talking about? And she said, he teaches and preaches on money. That's materialistic. Ben said, you don't know what you're talking about. I know this man. I know this man, uh, we, we've, uh, he, he's the first man to ever preach on that subject in our church where the blessing that the Bible talks about will be manifested when we walk in it in, according to his word. He said he's the only man that's ever come through here and it worked because he taught us about it. He said, you need, to, you need to get before God and let God help you out. Boy, I'm preparing an awful lot to tell you all this. I haven't even started yet, but I'm, I'm still kind of preparing the way here. I feel like I'm having to you know, tear some things down, which is cool. I'll, I'll do that. I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> you know, the, the demolition is just as important as the building. <clears throat> but we do. We need to take and we need to break some of this stuff out of our life. This woman didn't realize that her mindset and her unwillingness to be open to, uh, to a, a, a new, a new a revelation, a, a new truth to her. It's not an old, it's not a, a new truth to, to the, as far as the word of God is concerned. You know, Jesus, he's always been the truth. And the Bible says that truth will make you free. But some people, they won't embrace the truth. They won't embrace the truth of the word of God because, they, because it offends them somehow. I just don't think that's right. Well, you know what? That's not good enough. Just that you don't think it's right. Well, it don't make me feel good. Well, you know what? I didn't feel good the first time God told me I was a sinner. That didn't make me feel good either, but that didn't make it wrong. Hello? It's not God's business to just say stuff to make you feel good. It's God's business to say stuff, say stuff that'll transform us into who he wants us to be. Amen. But this woman, she had, she had an aversion, but she, she, uh, the pastor told her, well, you know, oh, well. So I came anyway. When, when, when her prayer didn't work and God didn't keep me away, she was like, well, Lord, I know I have authority over the devil. 
And my prayers couldn't keep him away. So maybe he's, maybe he's not influenced by the devil. Maybe he has something to say. And so I'll just sit and listen and see. But Lord, I'm leaving. If it ain't right, I'm leaving. And so for the first couple of weeks of that meeting, I, I begin to open up the word and expound upon the principles of supernatural increase. If you don't know what that is, uh, download the app, listen to last week. But I began to teach the word. And as I began to teach the word, um, she sat there and within a week, she got a revel. The spirit of God jumped on her. She tried to, she tried to look at what I was saying and disprove it with the Bible, but she couldn't disprove it with the Bible because it was all through the word of God. I mean, I went through, I went through so many scriptures and she's like, uh, this is the word of God. So she came to me after church with that gift certificate. I, now, I didn't know she was homeless, Rachel, but she handed me that gift certificate. I was like, I receive it. I don't normally do this all the time, but I, I took a moment and I prayed with her. I said, Lord, bless her. Increase her. I'm going to make this short. I, I, I took that Ben in the office. He told me she's, she's homeless. Within a couple of months, within a couple of months, well, first of all, she came back to church um, a couple days later. We, that, that revival lasted seven months. She came to church a couple of days later, and she said, Could, I have a testimony. I said, all right, I'll let you share it. She got up and she shared. Um, she shared she had given that gift card. She shared, first of all, she didn't believe what I was saying. She thought I was at the devil. Then she shared that she had this gift card. The Lord talked to her. The Lord had be started to give her a revelation. She gave me the gift card. A couple days later, Gil, she looks in her bank account, and um, $600 was deposited in her account. She tracked down from the bank where that $600 came from. It came from a job that she had left, I think, 25, 25 years ago. They just automatically, they finally found where she was at, automatically deposited some money in the bank that they had owed her for all those years. And she got it, uh, just happened to get it after she sowed that seed. So she came to church. She said, guys, she said, the Lord blessed me. She said, so I was able to buy some things. And she says, and I brought an offering. Do you know how much she brought as an offering? Like 675 bucks or 575 bucks. She kept 25 or maybe 50 and she sowed the rest. It freaked me out. I'm like, glory to God. You know what? You know what? I didn't want to, I didn't want to receive that because I knew then what she had need of. But that's the way of God. You give and it's given. You sow and you reap. You obey the Spirit, and, and then God does what He does. Now, you know what? That's what God did with me. Do you know how many seeds I have sown that uh, seemingly would have put me in the poorhouse over the years? You know, that's what God required of me as a minister of the gospel. That's why I still can preach and I make a, I've made a, I mean, from 16, I've made a living preaching the gospel. And you know how I've done that? It hadn't been because I've taken everything that came in and hoarded it and kept it for myself and lined my pocket. It's because we learned how to give. We learned how to sow. We learned how to apply the principles of God's word. We live by faith in the word of God. We live by faith in, uh, in what he says to us. So here's where I'll make a long story short. What ended up happening with this woman is that uh, within two months of her getting that revelation, oh, I got to tell the other part. So she, she, she gave you know, that, most, of that, most of that money she got in the bank. That night when she gave that money, she went to sit down and everybody started throwing money at her. $3,800, I think it was, that people threw at her. She came back the next night. She said, I have a testimony. 
I said, tell the testimony. She said, Brother Ziggy, I, I gave that money to you last night, and people started throwing money at me. She said, it was $3,800. I was like, praise God. She said, so I was able to get a little bit more stuff. She says, but I'm sowing. I'm sowing tonight, and I'm believing God. You know how much she sowed? $3,750. Wow. Are you all hearing me today? She got a revelation. Listen, you're not, you're, you're, you, you're not a homeless person and sow $3,750 on accident or because someone manipulates. I don't care how manipulative someone is. Uh, it's very hard to manipulate a homeless person out of Within a couple of months, she came back with it. One night she came in, brand new boots on, brand new jeans, brand new jacket. I looked in, when she pulled up, she pulled up in a brand new Ford F-150 pickup. I was like, come on now. I was like, what's going on? She came in, she had two fat envelopes in her hand. She says, I have a testimony. She's waving the envelope at me. I have a testimony. I was like, man, look like you got a testimony. She says, and I have something for you. She pointed at me. She looked at Ben. She had another fat envelope. She says, and I have something for you. I was like, I can't wait to hear this one. We gave her the microphone. She got up. She said, she said I, I, now this woman, she had been at other churches. She had a reputation. I mean, she'd actually, she'd actually invite people out in the parking lot to whip them in the name of Jesus. I mean, last church, the, the, the last church she'd been at, she, she literally got into a fist fight with a board member in the parking lot and won, and it was a male. You understand? Yeah, I, I need to take her around with me. But anyhow, she was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was messing with everybody. I was, I was talking about Miss Carolyn. I said, I said, you don't know the people who come to Winter's Church. I said, we got people that in, back in the day, they would cut you. I said, one of them's in the back praying right now. I said, she might have cut you on the back of the knee, but she would cut you. That might be the only way she can reach, you know. She might jump up. And... <laughs> but anyhow. So this, this woman, yeah, she was rough. She had been um, estranged from her family, estranged from her father. And her father was in organized crime. He was a criminal. And she, uh, she'd gotten a phone call. Um, or someone had gotten a phone call and through that phone call, someone contacted her on the street and said, hey, your father's dying. He wants to see you. So she reluctantly went to see her father who she hadn't seen in over 25 years. So she walks into his room and she, she, she told me, she said, she told all of us, I hated that man. I, I, she said, I'm, I had trouble. I had trouble going. She said, I walked in the room and he looked at me and he said, well, I'd like to say I'm glad you're, you're here or glad you came. He said, but I can't. He said, but I hate your stepmother more than I hate you. Yeah, so he said, I've, he said, I've arranged for all, of, all, all that I have, uh, all of my assets uh, to go to you when I die. I'm, I'm going to die here. He said, all I asked you to do is not give any of it to the church. She goes, you go ahead and die. I'll do, what, I'll do with it whatever I want. She said, well, he died. She said, and I became the recipient of three quarters of a million dollars. $750,000 she became. Uh, amen. 
So she said, I bought a truck. I bought some jeans. She said, I put an offer on a house. She said, and I brought an offering. And she handed me a fat envelope. She handed Ben a fat envelope. And we praised God for her deliverance. Amen. Amen. Now listen, here's the thing. Some people say this. Well, you know, I don't believe that. I just think that we ought to be like Jesus. And how, so how was Jesus? People think Jesus was, you know, a shopping cart pushing, living in a cardboard box person. And here's, here's the deal. You can live that way if you want to. Go right ahead. But, you've, you, but you can't say that that's the way God's word commands us to live. Because when we look into God's word, God's word says, and that's, this is why we, we talk about tithing and offering giving here. The Bible says that when we give, it's given unto us. That whatever a man sows, that, that he's going to reap. If you sow sparingly, reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Amen. The Bible says, bring all the tithe in the storehouse. There may be meat in my house. And prove me. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. Amen. 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 And so I, I could go on and on uh, through, through the word of God where the Bible commands to do it. Now, if may, maybe, maybe you have some special knowledge or some special you know, interpretation of the word of God that you could prove me wrong. But you know, I've listened to the naysayers and I've listened to the people that want, and do you know the stuff that they use to try to prove uh, this message wrong? None of it even makes sense. None of it even makes sense. Well, what about Timothy? Money's the root of all evil. See, they, they can't even quote scripture right. The Bible says the love of money's the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil. The love of money. It's when, you, it's when you put money in the place of God. And Jesus said, Jesus said it clearly. He said, you can't serve God and mammon. But he didn't say nothing. About it. Some people say, yeah, the Bible said, Jesus said you can't serve God and have money. That's not what he said. He said, you can't serve God and serve money. Yet the, the very people that oppose the message, they're a slave to their job. They're a slave to overtime. They talk about those preachers being materialistic, but those people won't come to church because they got to work. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I believe, I believe in supernatural inquiry. I believe that God wants to bless his people big time. I believe God wants to take people from a place of barely enough and he wants to move them in. I receive that in the name of Jesus. And he wants to move them into a place of more than enough. Say more than enough. enough. Say it again. All right. So uh, let's let's open up our Bibles. Finally, my brethren. And I will try to keep this brief. I know I'm I'm taking a little bit of time here, but uh, praise the Lord. But also, you know, we're, we're getting ready to go into revival and um, I think we need to hear this before we get there. So anyway, open up your Bibles with me uh, to the book of um, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah chapter 10. Now we, we talked about what the, thank you, I received that, Lindsay, in the name of Jesus. We talked about last week how that uh, how tithing was implemented, and specifically tithing. And I'm I'm dealing with tithing because there's so many people there a little bit off kilter when it comes to the tithe because they've heard their favorite preacher talk about it. And and I'm not specifically addressing this because of that. I'm addressing this because of the way the Lord was leading me. 
But God implemented the tithe, the tithing system. And even though there are some people who say, well, you know, tithing was the law. And so because tithing was the law, uh, we no longer need to do that. Jesus eradicated the law. Uh, really, the Bible says Jesus came to fulfill the law. But a part of the law was thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, if we're going to get, if we're going to do away with tithing because it's a part of the law, then we knew we need to do away with thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not. In other words, that means it's okay for us to kill. It's okay for us to steal. It's okay for us to commit adultery because there's no law anymore. Well, that's not true. There's still a law. It's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There, there are things, there are standards that God has set in his word that we need to live by. And, uh, so Nehemiah chapter 10, this is some of the things that the Bible says about, um, about tithing. This is why we do this. We obligate ourselves to bring uh, verse 35. Did I tell you the verse? Verse 35. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all of our fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of God, the firstborn of our sons uh, and of our cattle, as it, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree, of uh, the wine and the oil, to the priest to the chambers of the house of our God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground, for it is the, uh, the Levites who collect the tithe and in all our towns where we labor. And so you see uh, in Nehemiah uh, how, they were, uh, how they were doing the word of God, bringing forth the tithe where, where it belongs to. So that's why we tell people that they ought to bring the tithe uh, to the local church. Some people, um, they, they, you know, they have a little bit of an aversion to that, but that's a good rule of thumb to bring your tithe to the house of God. Uh, Malachi chapter three, which is the one that we're familiar with, Malachi chapter three, glory to God. Starting with verse 10, it says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And that's why we bring the tithe to the storehouse, so that there'll be food in the house of God, so that ministry can take. You know why you bring your tithe here? So we can continue doing ministry. So we can continue doing the things that God has told us to do around here. Amen. I mean, it's very simple. This, this, it's not rocket science, church. Some people are like, well, you know what? What's that church going to do with my money? They're going to spend it. Amen. I don't know why it's such a stigma in the body. Some people are like, well, Pastor Ziggy, how much money do you make? Well, I mean, I make less than some of you and more than some of you. I mean, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. It's not that big a, it's not that big a deal. I mean, at one time I was getting a salary from this church. I, wasn't getting, I was not getting a salary from this church. And then there came a point in time where I thought, you know what, if we don't start getting over there and doing the word of God, it wasn't that the church couldn't afford to pay me. It's just I didn't need it. Well, you know what? The Bible don't say nothing about bringing your tithe if there's a need. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The tithe don't have nothing to do with there being a need or a lack in the house of God. It has to do with our obedience. 
Amen. Yeah. And you know what? I was tripping people up. When I wasn't receiving a, an, an, uh, uh, compensation from this church for the labor that I was putting in, I was, I was going against the word of God. Do you know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. In other words, the Bible commands that God's people uh, communicate in offering giving to those who are teaching them. And you know what I was doing? I was teaching you, but I wasn't letting you communicate to me that taught. I was putting a kink in the hose of what, is, what, what causes the flow of God's blessing to his people. And so I had to, I had to change my heart. It wasn't, it wasn't y'all's heart that was wrong. It was my heart that was wrong. And my heart, my heart was wrong, not because I was evil, but because I didn't need it. I let need enter into the equation. Well, you know what? None of this has anything to do with need. Church, that's, that's, what I want to, that's what I want you to begin to alleviate in your own hearts. You know what? God doesn't ask you to bring the tithe. Um, uh, God doesn't ask you to bring the tithe because he thinks you can afford it. And he doesn't excuse you from the tithe because you can't afford it. Because it's not a need-based system. God doesn't need your money. Are y'all hearing this? You have, to, you have to take need out of the equation. Your need, the church's needs. Listen, you shouldn't be sowing your tithe in this church to keep the lights on. That's not the reason to do it. You shouldn't be sowing your tithe because you want to make sure that pastor don't suffer. No, listen, this pastor appreciation month, something's up somewhere right now. People trying, what are we going to do for pastor? What are we doing? Thank God, Rachel. Thank God, Rachel. She, she decides she's going to give a good pastoral appreciation offering. And she brought me some of that Trinidadian food last night. And I was, listen, I was, I was as full as a dog tick and happy and just as happy as one. Amen. But anyhow, it was awesome. So, some, but some, see, some of you, you'll, you'll have an opportunity uh, at some point in this month because it'll probably given, be given to sow into Annie and I. Listen, you're not going to sow into anything that we have need of. There, you know, there was one year y'all sowed, sowed into us, and I think it was three years before we, ever, before we ever took what you guys sowed on Pastor Preacher. It was three years before we even took it out of the bank. It sat in the church account for three years. We were like, well, what do you want to do with it? Finally, I think it was, it was, it was our last, we finally, from your, your offering from three years ago, we finally went to Puerto Rico on that offering last year. And we had, we had an awesome time. We had an awesome time. But you know what? That, see, that's the, but that's the nature. The nature is, are y'all catching this? See, this ought to, this ought to be, this ought to be turning something over in your spirit because the minute we let our need or his need dictate our obedience to his word, we've got it wrong. We've got it wrong. It ought to be a desire in our heart to love God and to do what he wants us to do based on the love that we have for him, based on the relationship that we've developed with him. When you can eliminate all this need stuff, then you, then you stay out of the flesh and then you're not, uh, then you're not governed by feelings. 
You're not governed by circumstances. It doesn't matter whether there's a recession, whether there's a depression. It doesn't matter whether you got laid off. It doesn't matter whether you got demoted. It don't matter whether you got promoted. It don't matter if you... See, so for me, it wasn't, it wasn't that... Um, and it's hard. Do you know it's hard? It's hard to look at a group of folks like y'all that are loving and generous and want to be a blessing. And it's, it's hard to know that God is blessing the stink out of me and then say, well, I, I mean, I'm going to receive a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and receive a, a, a salary, you know, from this group of people. I'm going to go ahead and receive compensation for this, uh, even though I don't need it. Knowing that some of y'all, uh, some of y'all to, to be a tither, to be an offering giver, it's quite a sacrifice. Well, praise the Lord. Reminds me, reminds me of that woman, and, and maybe I ought to start. You know, I've quoted a lot of scripture today. I know I haven't had you running around the Bible. I have quoted a lot of scripture today. I hope you recognizing that. I'm trying not to uh, spend too much time, you know, taking you to the uh, address uh, because I know I'm running out of time here. But you remember the story of Elijah when the famine was in the land and the raven was dropping a, a bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook in the middle of a drought. God was taking care of the prophet. But at some point, God told him this. He said, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow there to sustain you. I've commanded the, a widow there to sustain you. Do you know that word widow, if you look it up the, in the original, that word widow means a place that has lost its provision. A desolate place. The word widow means desolate place. A place that has lost its provider. So you know what God was telling the prophet? He said, get out of this place of provision. I'm going to make the place that has no provision provide for you. I'm going to take you to the desolate place, and out of the desolate place, ooh, glory to God. Do you, know, do you know why the Lord does these things? Do you know why he has us do this? Because God wants us to rely on him and trust in him no matter the circumstances. How many of you know that uh, during, during COVID, some, listen, I saw people panic during COVID. I saw church folks panic. During, and, and you know what? We, we didn't necessarily run out of food. All we ran out of was toilet paper and people were in a panic. <laughs> toilet paper ran out. People were like, what are we going to do? Well, you know, Back in the day, Sears and Roebuck worked just fine. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, they just put a catalog in the outhouse, you know? It's like, it just could grab you a page. I, I, know it's not, I know it's not the most efficient method. It's probably not the most sanitary and most appealing, but it worked. I didn't know this, but I had, a, I had an old Oklahoma grandma back in the day tell me, she said, Sears and Roebuck, she said, we used to gather corn cobs and put them in there. I was like, dear God. Some of you don't even know Sears and Roebuck uh, catalog. You junk mail, you know, something. But, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but people were in a panic over toilet paper. Imagine, imagine the panic and the chaos that would ensue if things of, ext of extreme importance began to be lacking uh, for people. 
But you know what? As God's people, see, God wants to take us to a place where we rely on him that when things like that happen, we don't get our drawers in a bunch. We don't run around like a bunch of chickens with our heads cut off, but we trust the Lord. We trust his word. We believe what he says. That, see, that's why God wants us to participate in, in his economic system. It's not because God needs your money. God has no need for your money. Amen. And God doesn't want you believing that money is what takes care of your needs. You know what? Money is not your supplier. God is your supplier. Amen. And sometimes he uses money to take care of your needs. But money does not meet your needs. God is the supplier of all that you have need of. He is the supplier of everything that you need. Sometimes he'll use money to do it. But he's the supplier. Say that with me. Say he's the supplier. Glory to God. Glory. Did we go to Malachi yet? Did we read it yet? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, verse 10, that there may be food in my house, thereby, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Well, I like this version. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so we, we've got to develop a good attitude. You say, pastor, it's still hard for me to develop a good attitude because you know what? When I see you pull up in your Tesla, because that, see, that's what, it, that's what it starts to boil down to. When you pull up in your Tesla. Well, you know what? Y- y'all weren't there when I pulled up in a Chevette. <laughs> y'all weren't there when I pulled up in a Chevette, and then after church, it wouldn't start. And two days later, Ted and I are there at the, in the church parking lot trying to pull an engine up just to get a starter put in a Chevette to drive it for another thousand miles or so and have to replace the starter again. Finally, the thing burned to the ground. Thank God. <laughs> but Yes, amen. Thank God. But see, nobody was there. Nobody was there when Pastor Annie was, was four years into her job. We were four, years, four or five years into our marriage, and she is driving around in a Honda. We're still trying to get a revelation. In fact, we had gotten the revelation by then. Do you know, do you know when I got a revelation of supernatural increase prior to the close of the 1980s? About 1986, I got a revelation. I, I went into ministry in 1984, uh, or yeah, 1985. I got a revelation, supernatural increase, 1986, 1987. Do you know when finally we saw uh, the increase that we, we had believed that God wanted us to have, that we saw it manifested? 1998. So you know what? We were believing supernatural increase when we were in a beat up old uh, hatchback Honda Civic. Annie, five years into into our marriage, I think, you know, about four or five years into our marriage, she's breaking out her high school clothes that she wore to the, the Votec at high school because she doesn't have any nicer clothes to wear than the clothes that she owned five years prior. And she's driving around in a hatchback Honda Civic that her friends call the roller coaster because it has bad CV joints. And every time you turn the corner, it clicked. 
Now, you know what, you know, you know what we were saying back then? You know, you know what I was saying? Now, Annie, I couldn't get Annie to say it for a long time. But you know what I was saying back then? I was saying, glory to God, I give and it's given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over men, given to my bosom. For with the same measure, I meet with all it's measured unto me. I'm a tither, and I brought all the tithe into the storehouse. Uh, so there'll be meat in God's house. Lord, you said you'd prove yourself, and you'd open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. You are the supplier of all that I have need of, Lord, according to your riches and glory. Hallelujah. I, I'm, I, Lord, I will, for, I will never forget you. I will remember the Lord my God. It's he that gives me power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto my fathers as it is this day. All the commandments which you command me today, Lord, I will do so that I can live and prosper and multiply and go in and possess the land that you swore, Lord, to my fathers. God, I've, I, uh, uh, <laughs> amen. I mean, I, would, I, just, I just start... I, I, that would, that's what I would do. I would hang on to the word of God. Now, you know, was my mind convinced? No. I still, I was still, I still had poverty thinking and the Lord had to work all that out of me. We went through difficulty. None of those difficulties came from God. None of those difficulties came from God. See, God was already settled. I'm going to take care of you. Right. Turn to, turn to someone around you and say, God's already settled. It. He's going to take care of you. Listen, God's not trying to figure out whether he's going to take care of you or not. He's already settled it. He's already said he's going to take care of you. Are y'all hearing me? I'm not, listen, this recession, this, this, little, this little thing that we're going through, I know that a lot of people are saying a lot of stuff, but I'm going to tell you this by the Spirit. We're about, to, we're about to get to the other side of it. But I want you to understand something. It is not the worst thing that we're going to see. I'm not trying to scare you. It's just not the worst thing that we're going to see. Things are going to things are going to correct. That's what they're going to call it. They're going to call it a correction. Really, what it is is things are shifting. But you know what God's trying to do? God's trying to position His people in a in a place of favor. God's trying to put you on top. Come on God's trying to put you in a position where this whole world system could go in the toilet, and you and you own the toilet. Are y'all hearing me? Because he don't, because God, God, it's, it's not a part of God's vision for you to go under. It's God's vision for you to go over. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to go over if you keep making decisions based on uh, what you heard on YouTube today. What's some preacher that you don't know that you never been to their church, never been to their house, never sat across the table from them, never went to lunch from them. They never offered to pour into you personally. You sitting there and you listening to them talk all kind of nonsense when your own pastor is telling you what, what, and you let those people, you let those people get you to question the validity of what we're talking about. And, and, and sometimes over, a, over like a Tesla or a BMW or an address, a, a house that you live in. Heck, y'all roll up at my house, have to go through a gate. Some of y'all might, you know, some, some people might have a, a little bit of difficulty with that. Not, not most of you won't, but there, there might be some people have some difficulty. I don't know who's even here. <laughs> You know, one time I went, I wanted to buy a pastor's suit. I wanted to bless him. 
I don't, I, don't believe in I don't believe in blessing men of God. I, when I, if God tell me to bless a pastor, to bless him with a suit, I ain't taking him to JCPenney. I'm not taking him to buy one, get three free. We're not going to the funeral home to dig through what somebody left behind after they died. So I told this pastor one time, I said, I said, I want to bless you with a suit. He said, he said, you do? I said, yeah. I said, uh, I said, uh, where is there a Saks around here, Saks Fifth Avenue? And he said, I believe there's one in Cleveland. Uh, I, I wasn't sure he even knew. I said, man, I said, I think you'd look good in, Ar in an Armani. In an Armani. He goes, I could never wear an Armani. I said, why? He said, because my people would look at me and say, that's our money. Oh, amen. Isn't that crazy? But see, when you understand, when you understand the word of God and you do these things based on, and I know I'm not raising you up off your chair today to shout. I know some of you are like, I thought you was going to talk about seeing and knowing. I'm trying to get some of you to see and know right now. I'm trying to get some of you to see and know right now, to see something and to know to do it. What Brandon did, he saw it. He's, that's why he did that. He, he brought that up here because he saw something clicked in him probably last week. Yeah. Probably, probably started with Michael. Yeah. Amen. But you know what? Some people, they get, they get freaked out about, well, you know, man, they're, 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 they're getting crazy up in there. <laughs> What's that preacher going to do with that money? I done told y'all we're going to spend it. Amen. I will tell you where it's not going. It's not going in the G string of a stripper. It won't, up, it won't end up in one of these dispensaries over here. Amen. Hello? It's not going to wind up in a liquor store somewhere. I mean, it, uh, maybe I should be saying, it might end up, you know, over at Shipley's over here. <laughs> <laughs> at the donut, the donut shack or something. <laughs> little Mike's and little Mike's is at the burger place down the way. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! But mo most of most of what people sow ends it ends up going right back into real. I mean, ministry, the the nuts and bolts of ministry, not just the food and the traveling, but really the nuts and bolts of doing ministry. Amen. Now, I've traveled for years, and most people think pastors and preachers and ministers, they're all charlatans looking to, to get rich and get... I'm going to tell you, so are you, you're, number one, you're crazy. Here's the thing. I, I, ought to I ought to just take some of you and send you out for a week and have you try to make a living preaching the gospel. I'm going to send you to some of the places I go and see how good you do. Just stick you in there. <laughs> I go to these communities. I'll pastor will be there. I'll be talking to him. And he's like, uh, I'm, I remember one time I was in the city of Springfield and we were there for seven months. Ever. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. I'm going to quit here in a second. He, uh, he said, uh, he said uh, Springfield, Ohio. I can't remember the county. Um, but he said, 
this county, he said, is the poorest county in the state of Ohio. I was like, leave it to God to send me to the poorest county. <laughs> when I went to Indiana, I spent seven, I spent a year in Indiana in the poorest county in Indiana. That's where the Lord sends me. Do you know why he sends me there? Because he gave me this message. Where do you think God's going? If God gives you a message of prosperity, where do you think he's going to send you? And so we go. We go. And, and you know what? Even though those people that are in those meetings are impoverished. Have you ever heard people say this? All those preachers do is just take money from poor people. <laughs> okay, so those preachers got rich on all those poor people given a dollar. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you got enough poor people together, you could kind of make some, you know, make a little bit of money. But, but how many poor people you know are giving big offerings? Hello. How many drug? How many drug addicts you know are big givers? Winos that you know are big givers. Homeless people that you know are big givers. Well, with the exception of that one lady who, you know, but the Lord blessed her with what she, you know, you understand? I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about, church. We, we get this idea. It's so, never fails. I'll go to talk about this. People are like, he's just trying to get people's money. Oh, really? Your pastor ain't even making it. How am I going? To... So I came to Springfield purposefully, the poorest county in Ohio, just to collect all this big money that's in this county. Right, right. Wayne County in, in uh, uh, Indiana. Poorest, poorest county. Lord put me right smack dab in the middle of Wayne County in Richmond. You know what them people said? Oh, he's just trying to get our money. I'm like, oh, really? And what have you given? I ain't giving nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you think that everyone else is doing it, and you're, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. See, these are, these are the battles that we have to face to win, uh, to win that place in the spirit concerning finance. Is, has this helped anybody at all? I know, I know it's not the most exciting message you've heard me preach. We'll, we'll preach exciting stuff starting next Friday. <laughs> Five days of revival. We'll talk about the most exciting things you ever heard in your life. To me, this is to me this is exciting. I don't particularly care to talk about these things because I I think that you know it's a it's a tough it's a tough road to hoe, but it's necessary. It's necessary. We need this. So we're not gonna we're not gonna sow because of need. Uh, we're not gonna sow because there's a need. We're not going to allow our need to keep us from doing what the word of God tells us to do. We're just gonna be obedient to the word. We're going to bring it the way God tells us to bring it, and um, and we're gonna live in the fullness of his blessing as a result. Amen. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to, like right now, Annie, Annie's receiving um, some of the greatest favors she's ever had on her job in her whole life. They just gave her a raise, I think it's fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a year of a raise and huh 10,000 just now the last one and they're about to add another 10 
so she's, so she's experiencing something that's, that's awesome. And I think that's great. But you know what? Here's the thing. Do you know, do you know the main reason why Annie has stayed working? Hasn't been because we needed the money. Because main reason was we weren't certain how the, what, what the Lord's plan was, how he was in it. We thought, you know, for a long time that she would quit her job, full, travel full-time. That never happened. But the second thing that we considered, and this was just a natural, this wasn't even a spiritual consideration. This was a natural consideration. We thought, well, you know what? You have good benefits. She worked for the state of Oklahoma. And so it's like, she has good benefits. So that's a, that's a benefit. So you just hang out there, and you know what? She could retire. She could already retire. She's at that point in her job, and she's young, you know? She's 28 years old, can retire already. <laughs> yeah, she started working for the state when she was two. <laughs> But she's, she's hanging in there still yet. You know why? Because we're not certain how the Lord is. We're, we're trying to do all this stuff according to the will of God. When I, you know, when I started that business, the detailing airplanes, I started that business and someone said, oh, you, things are tough, aren't they? I'm like, no. You know, you might start a business because things are tough. I started a business because God told me to. Are y'all hearing me? You know, if we'd start doing stuff according to, to God's will right. and God's plan, do you, know, do you know how easy it is to do a business that you don't need no money to come in on that business? Right. When, when you're earning money on a business and you don't have, you don't have a need for not a dime of it. None, you don't need none of it to pay bills. You don't need none of it to buy cars. You don't need none of it to buy food. It, you got money rolling in. You got people calling you wanting you to do business. With. Do you know how liberating that is? Yeah. Do you know how liberating it is to be able to look at something and someone say, hey, uh, you know, you're, you're in this business. Would you, would you come and do this? And you go, hmm, let's see, I got to preach here. I got to preach here. I got to go here. I got, a, I got a meeting over here. I might be able to fit you in. You know, when I'm not in church. That's what I do with the business. That's what I do with it. I'm, I'm not, uh, I had a guy tell me the other day, he says, hey, so are you busy? Are you keeping busy? I said, probably busier than I really want to be. He says, so like, do you have some time? Maybe you could do something. I said, man, my, my year is booked up. They said, he said, that many details? I said, no, man, I got revival over in Ohio. I got revival over in Michigan, wherever it is. I mean, I got revival in these places. I said, but, I said then I got to go on vacation with my family. You know what I did? You know what I did with it? You know what I did with the last check I got from a detailer? Uh, uh, I, I got a check for $3,600 for, for, uh, for doing the back part of a citation jet. For doing from the wings back on a citation jet. 3600 $3, bucks. I, I still owe you, Tyler. Remind me. I keep forgetting to send you money. But Tyler came and helped me. I still owe him. Um, but you know what I did with that? You know what I did with that check? I'm glad you asked, Eric. Amen. I put it in the Winner's Church Evangelism account. Stuck it in there. I was like, man, 
Let's just stick it in the Winner's Church Evangelism account. We got it. We're, we're, about to, we're about ready to put a new interior in the, in the airplane. We'll just use it for that. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. I took that check to the bank. I said, I know this says superior aircraft detail. I said, but I'm going to put it over there in the winner's church. They said, well, you own all the accounts. You can do whatever you want to do with it. I said, that's right. right. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Listen, God God literally wants to take you all to the place. Jasmine, I'm going to tell you right now. God wants to take you to the place where you can look your clients directly in the eye and say, I'm going to try to fit you in, but, you know, we got revival next week and... Yeah, my, my, yeah, my pastor, he's going to Ohio, and me and, me and Andrew, we're going with him. We're, we're going to support him, and, and, um, uh, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to be like, please, please, can you fit me in? Please, can you? Amen. Are y'all hearing me today? And then you're like, well, how about two months from now? Hey, put me down. Don't you forget me. You know, I have people, I have people do that to me. I have a guy right now. He's like, put me down. Don't forget me. You said you do it. I said, I will. <laughs> I, boy, I'm telling you right now, man, you walk, you walk away from that. You walk away from that like George Jefferson walking, you know, walking into that, that uh, new apartment that he rolled in. Amen. Amen. That deluxe apartment in the sky. <laughs> Glory to God. But <laughs> we're moving on up. <laughs> come on, Lewis, come sing it. <laughs> Stand up everywhere. Praise God. I didn't. I still haven't got to the you know the the the, the part of uh, the supernatural of where we uh, seeing and knowing. But seeing and knowing. Well, I can give it to you in a nutshell. I, I need to hurry it up. Maybe I'll talk about a little bit of revival. Revival will probably be the mo- more appropriate place to. Talk about seeing and knowing. We can shout about it. But seeing and knowing, you say, what is that? Well, the Spirit of God will sometimes give you a picture based on the Word of God. He'll give you a picture. He'll put it in your spirit. When God talks to us, God talks to us spirit. You know, the Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers. It's not talking about your stomach. It's talking about the innermost part of your being, out of your spirit. And so when God talks to us, he talks to us out of, the, out of our spirit. And when God says something to us in our spirit, it will, it will come up out of our spirit and into our mind. It's not like any other thought. And you, you'll, if you've never had it happen to you, and it, when it does, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's almost like a, a bubble at the bottom of a, of a, of a uh, glass of soda. That's, that's, that's stuck on the bottom and you hit it and that bubble just rises up to the top. That's what it's like to get something in your spirit from God. It hits you here and then it just slowly comes up and then it hits you in your understanding. Well, when it hits your understanding, many times, sometimes it'll come as a vision, a, a spiritual vision, supernaturally. Uh, if you weren't here Wednesday, I talked about one of those visions that happened to me, talking about the word of knowledge, where it, it came up upon me out of my spirit and by vision. Some, 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 sometimes it's an imagination. Remind me of SpongeBob. Imagination. Imagine it's an imagination. It just it's, it, it gets in your imagination. And so you see a picture, but that picture doesn't come from a natural source. It comes from the, uh, the, the Holy Ghost. It's a spiritual thing. 
It comes out of the spirit. And you can identify that. Anna's has called me a time or two, said, Pastor, I saw something. I was like, Anna, where did you think that came from? She said, well, I don't think it came from myself because I don't think that way. We've had those conversations, haven't we? But it came up out of her spirit, came up out of the innermost part of her being. Many of you, the best decisions you've made in life came out of your spirit. They certainly didn't come out of your head. And some of you, you, you identified it too. You're like, I'm, I'm not sure why I did it, but I did. And boy, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah, it's because you gave yourself over to the spirit. And some of you, you saw it by the spirit. You knew it by the spirit. And once you knew it by the spirit and you did it, God stepped in and he did what he does. Seeing and knowing. Seeing and knowing. Now, sometimes when we see and know, it turns out the way that we expect it to. And other times it doesn't. I told you about Cherie seeing and knowing about that guy in the wheelchair out in southeast Oklahoma. She did what she saw and what she knew, but it didn't result in this guy getting up out of the chair. But see, that wasn't her part. Her part wasn't to get the guy out of the chair. Her part was to do what she saw and knew. I'm going to tell you all something. My whole life, and, and this is the truth, and I, this isn't a brag, it's just a fact. I've spent my whole Christian walk functioning in that thing of seeing and knowing, just being, trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I, was having, I had this conversation with Tyler and Ayla. What many people don't understand in the body of Christ is that before revival broke out that first time, that first time we had an extended revival meeting, I believe the first, first one that we really had was over in Ravenna. Ravenna, Ohio was five weeks long. Very first time we ever broke out in revival for a long period of time. And it was only five weeks. Now, now we say it was only five weeks because we've gone longer than a, a year in revival. But that first one, do you know how many acts of obedience... I did, believing it would lead to that. And those acts of obedience didn't lead to that, but they were a precursor. They were necessary steps for me to take. So I made, I, 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 Melody, I stepped out and I did what God told me to do, believing that he would break out in revival like he did that one time in Ravenna. I may have been obedient to God 700 times, believing for that same thing to happen. And 700 times, not have it happen. But then there was that time. Everything I've ever seen God do that was great didn't come out of one act of obedience. Did y'all hear what I just said? Everything I've ever seen God do that was great. You know what? I, when, before I ever saw a deaf person healed, do you know how many acts of obedience it took before finally? We, t we talk about, you know, deafness, deaf ears being open and whatnot. But do you, know how many, do you know how many deaf people I prayed for? you know how many deaf dogs I prayed for? When I didn't have the courage to lay, when I didn't have courage to lay hands on a deaf person, I laid hands on a deaf dog. I was like, well, let's try it out here. Dog wasn't healed of deafness. But later I prayed for that same dog was healed of blindness. 
See, because I, I couldn't work up the courage to lay my hands on a blind person, but I could lay hands on a blind dog. I know it sounds crazy. Before I ever laid hands on a dead person, I laid hands, hands on a dead tree. Believe God to resurrect a dead motor in a car that wouldn't start, you know? Glory to God. So you know what you've got to do? You've got to be willing to obey God however many times it takes. However many times it takes. You might obey God 700 times and nothing happened like you believed would. How many times did I go to Richmond, Indiana from 1999 to 2012? From 1999 to 2012, I had been to Richmond, Indiana every year, sometimes twice a year. Believing God for revival to break out every time. But finally, in 2012, boom. It happened like I expected, like I, like I believed. It just happened. And we just flowed in it. We just went with it. The reason why a lot of us aren't getting results is because we, we, won't, we won't act in obedience where we're at. And then if we act in obedience when we don't see the results we expect, we just throw in the towel and give up. Listen, you got to believe God. And since we've been talking about finances, I don't care what your finances look like. Trust God. Believe him. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what, I don't want, I don't care what the economists say. This is not a time to listen to the economists. This is a time to listen to the Holy Ghost. Again, I'm not saying this to y'all because we're, we're in deep need or giving has dropped way off. Oh, we got to, we need to finish this year strong, folks. We really need to, the stockholders, they've got to see it. <laughs> no. God wants you to be on top always in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you're saying to us. God, it's our prayer in Jesus' name that every one of us will get a hold of this word, that it will revive in us. That it will revive in us, Lord, that which we need to live a victorious life. Lord, we're talking about finance, but Lord, this principle works in every area. Every area. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you that your people are abounding. Anna, you're abounding. And Anna, the Lord, the Lord wants me to tell you this. The Lord says that the enemy has no right the enemy has no right to steal what the Lord what the Lord uh, intends for you to have God, God told me to tell you this he said this reminded me of what was going on uh, and you were there you were there at the revival right Friday he was there so remember I was telling I was telling everybody, I was telling that sister Gina, I said, if you left all your doors and your windows and your, and your house open, that still wouldn't make it okay for someone to come take your stuff. It's still wrong. That person is still a thief. And by law, they have no right to do that. 
I hear the Lord saying the enemy trying to get you to think that he has a right to do stuff because of certain things, certain circumstances in your life. And the Lord told me to tell you this. He has no right no matter what. God says, you belong to me and I belong to you. The Lord says today, you kicking the devil out. Amen. Amen. And I, I hear God saying this. He says, uh, you're, the Lord says, you're going on a journey with him to clean house. I hear God saying, you can't do it yourself. But the Lord says he's going to come alongside of you. And he says, and he's going to help you, Lord. Uh, he says to achieve, the Lord says to achieve uh, the things that you know in your heart that he's provoking you toward. God, God says, not only are you going to finish, you're going to finish strong. The Lord says, you think it's going to be difficult. You're, you're, seeing, it, you're seeing it like you see a, a physical workout. You go to work out, and then you're wore out, and you're huffing and puffing. The Lord says, before you even break a sweat, you're going to break through. And God says, you're going to be like, Lord, don't I have to do more? And he's like, you did everything you needed to do. He'll be like, man, I can go on some more. He'll say, come on, let's go on the next journey. But God says, God says you're entering into a season where you're not going to walk, you're going to run. And the Lord says, and in this season... You're not going to run and run into walls. God says you're going to run through troops and you're going to leap over walls. God says there's nothing that's going to keep you from running and uh, crossing the finish line in Jesus' name. So I loose that to you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. Well, how many of you, how many of you will agree with that? Amen. Thank God. <clears throat> Thank God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Jess, are these folks with you that are here? Who, now, who are they to you? Are they friends? Practically family. Where are you? Are you all from San Antonio? Or Yes. Are you here visiting? Is that what you? Wonderful. This man here, the spirit of the Lord is on him. And, you know, I don't know where you stand with in your walk with God or, and I don't, you know, this, this church may be the most unusual church you ever stepped in in your life. But, but I hear, but I hear the Lord saying this, I hear the Lord saying that there are some things that you did in a previous season that you did believing that it was in obedience uh, to the, to God, but not in obedience to something that you necessarily heard, like I'm talking about, you heard something in your spirit or whatever, but something that was in the word of God. There was something that was in the Bible. But I, but I hear God saying that your faith in, in some scripture in a previous season is about to guide you through the maze that you find yourself in now. I hear the Lord saying that it's like you've been, you've been navigating your way through a maze trying to find a way out. And you've run into, you, it's like you, um, when I was a kid and we used to do those mazes, sometimes you'd go into a place and then you'd have to back out because it wasn't a way out. You know, it had a, a line or whatever. <clears throat> and I see you having had to back out of a few places and, and there being some, some discouragement as a result. But I hear the Lord saying that um, he's about to, He's about to give you direction. And he's about to show you a way. I hear the Lord saying that for you, to, for you to be able to walk fully in that way, it will take a yielding of yourself 
to God and to his Holy Spirit to see it through to the end. But I do hear God saying this, God has a way for you. God has a way to bring you to a place, the Lord says, where you're unencumbered, where you're not weighed down, to bring you to a place of freedom where you feel like that there's an opportunity that he's provided for you to reach your full potential. I hear the Lord saying this. I hear God saying, he doesn't just want you to reach your full potential. I hear God said he wants to put his hand on you and he wants you to function in his potential for you. And the Lord says that'll go beyond what you're capable of doing. Amen. So I I hear God saying this. His spirit is descending upon. Now, y'all are married? Is that right? The the spirit of the Lord is descending upon your home. And I hear God saying that um, you all are not going to walk. It's going to be as if someone turned on the light. Where where in the past, and I'm saying in the past several years, where it seems like you've groped around in the dark just trying to find your way about, I hear the Lord saying it's not going to be that way. God says when you get home, it's going to be like someone turned on the light. And you're going to know things that you shouldn't know. And you're going to know to do things that you haven't known to do. And you're going to have confidence that it's because of the influence of God's spirit and the working of his spirit in your life that he's going to get it done. But I hear God saying that this is the beginning of some of the greatest changes that you've ever encountered in your life. The Lord says that y'all came to a place where you were like, I'm unsettled. I'm not satisfied. And God says, you didn't come here on accident. God said, he tricked you to get you here. God says, he tricked you to get you here. The Lord says, he brought you here to set you on a new path and on course to greater things. I hear God saying that you are leaving the old path behind. I hear God saying that there's difficulties that you're leaving here in this place today that you're not taking with you. I hear God saying that the journey that you're about to set on, set out on is going to be a journey of joy. The Lord says you're going you're gonna to come to the place where you rejoice like people that you've seen rejoice that you thought you'd never be re- comfortable rejoicing that way. You looked at them, you thought, I don't think I could ever be comfortable rejoicing that way. But God says you're, you're not going to think about how you feel. The Lord says you're just gonna, there's going to come a day. God says if you'll follow him to where he's taking you, he says there will come to a day where both of you will let out a shout out, which is, which is way beyond you. But God says the both of you will let out a shout and you will lift your hands in thanksgiving to God for all the great things that he's done. Because the Lord says, God says, I didn't, I didn't create you to be mediocre. The Lord says, I didn't create you to only take you halfway. God says, that's why the Lord says you've never been satisfied. The Lord says you haven't been unsatisfied because you're ungrateful. There have been people around you try to tell you you ought to be grateful. The Lord says, it's not that you're ungrateful. The Lord says it's just, he, he says it's just that he put in you a desire to be everything that you could be. And the Lord says, he, God says, I didn't put halfway in you. The Lord says, I put in you to go all the way. And God says, and I'll take you all the way. He said, so don't listen to anyone that says you're ungrateful. The Lord says, you're not ungrateful. You're unsettled. The Lord says, you're unsettled because you're not a settler. You're a pioneer. The Lord says, you're not one to just settle in and to be satisfied with less than. The Lord says, you're not going to stop till you get it all. And God says, it's his desire to give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. So I loose that to you in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Come on, someone lift your hands and shout unto God.
<laughs> Boy, for me telling you that that prophecy thing is waning, I sure have been prophesying a lot over the last three weeks. Praise God. But boy, like a resurgence or something. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Now, tell me, how are, how are y'all connected? Are y'all married? Y'all too? Oh, this is a mother and a son. She's like, oh no, I ain't married to him. So y'all, but y'all are family. Y'all are family. Man, the spirit of God is on y'all. Yeah, yeah, good for her. She looks super young. She don't even look like she could be your mother. And this big old dude came out of you, you know. It's like, wow, it's, it's, it's crazy. My mother's about this big. Everybody's like, that's your mother? You poor thing. When <laughs> they tell her. I wasn't that big, though. I was only like eight pounds. Is that big, eight pounds? Oh, okay. Well, praise the Lord. Look, Jasmine. <clears throat> I, I, hear, I hear the Lord saying this. I hear God saying that some things... Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, I'm going to try to be slow, and I'll have someone send you the recording. But I feel like God's getting ready to open a door for you. I feel like that lots of doors have shut. Things have been keeping you out of places that you know that God intends for you to be. And I hear the Lord saying this, man is not going to keep you from what I have for you. God says the doors that have been shut and closed, God says he's about to open. And I hear the, I hear the Lord saying this, it's his desire not just to give you a little bit of success, but to give you great success. You know, the Bible, the Bible says in the, book of, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night to observe to do according to all that is written therein. Talking about the word of God, talking about the Bible. This word will not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate on it. So you'll do everything that's in it. It says this, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I hear God saying good success. I, I hear God saying good success is coming to you. I hear the Lord saying, don't, uh, don't consider the failures. I hear the Lord saying, keep pressing forward because he's about to open up doors for you uh, that no man can close in the name of Jesus. I lose that to you today. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you've said and done here today, Lord. We praise you, Father, that you're working <clears throat> here in us, here in our community. We need to, can I pray for y'all? I was, I was just going to tell you, can I pray for you? Is it okay if we pray for you? Can we pray for you? I want to lay my hands on you and pray for you. I want you all to stretch your hands toward them. We're going to pray for them. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for them. God, I, I lift them up into your hands. I pray, Father, that you'll take them and that you'll begin to work in them, empower them, Lord, reveal to them, God, the great things that you have for them. Lord, we set them in your hands today. We appreciate what you're doing in them, Lord, and we pray, Father, that it'll be clear to them in these days that are coming of the direction that you're leading, of the way that you're guiding them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, let every burden be removed. Let every yoke be destroyed because of the anointing. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. All right. Uh, this week, it's going to be a good week. 
Friday we're coming back together, so it's kind of a short week where we, but we will be coming back together. I'm excited about that. So come with expectancy. Make sure that you bring someone with you on Friday as we gather together. Lord, as we go out of here, go with us. Let your presence go with us out of here, God. May your people uh, step over into a higher level because of what you've done here today. In Jesus' name, uh, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen, don't forget your tithe and your offering. I know I 